Welcome in, Hoop fans. This is another edition of Pick and Pod, WFUV's basketball podcast. I am your host, Andrew Posadas. And this week, episode seven, what we're calling guys off the bench, Brian Raybacks. I have that correctly. I had to ask him beforehand because, and our producer, Bridge, actually knows this. I butchered Bridge's last name. Uh, in a Q&A with Michael Kay and, and Mike Breen. Uh, a totally another story. But again, after that, I was like, I need to know everyone's last names. Brian, welcome to Pick and Pod, your debut. How you feeling? Oh, I feel good. I'm excited to be here, man. Yeah, it's a good feeling coming, coming in just talking basketball. Let's do it. Excited to have you, man. I'm always looking to open the rotation. I know uh, myself, Kelly Bright, you know, we're on here a lot, but good to just kind of implement and bring everyone else in up to speed and just talk some basketball and a lot to touch on today, Brian. A few stories that I have here that you and I spoke about leading into recording this week's episode. We're going to stay local. We're going to talk about both Brooklyn Nets and the New York Knicks for the Brooklyn Nets, kind of discuss what happened last Friday with Kevin Durant and the whole COVID-19 protocols and, and how that ultimately unraveled for the Nets coming into this week. Also for the New York Knicks, the return of Derrick Rose, his second stint reuniting with Coach Tibbs. Brian and I will talk about what that means for the Knicks and this young core as they continue hunting the playoffs this season right there in ninth place. And a little bit later on, we will talk about the Warriors. Steve Kerr had some interesting words when it came to Steph Curry in his minutes. Brian and I will talk about if, Steph, if Steve Kerr, excuse me, has any justification, if he's right for the strategy that he's putting on his superstar right now. And finally, Brian and I will talk about LeBron James. We've just seen a GOAT in football, Tom Brady. He just got his seventh Super Bowl trophy. So we'll talk about LeBron James and how realistic is it for LeBron to kind of go into his 40s and still be a GOAT and play at a high level. But Brian, let's start in Brooklyn Last Friday, I was there covering uh, the game remotely between the Nets and the Raptors, and it it was just absolutely bizarre. You know, KD was there in warm-ups. He was in line. Then all of a sudden, he just goes. It's almost like somebody kidnapped him. He's gone. Then we hear these late reports, Brian, that he's not going to play today. He was with somebody in the Brooklyn Nets organization who didn't have a mask. They came back with an inconclusive test, so KD was going to be out. Then about seven or eight minutes into the first quarter or so, going down the stretch, KD comes back and he ends up coming off the bench and he plays 19 minutes, I believe, before ultimately being told that he has to come back out. He is out. Uh, The follow-up test from that member of the organization came up positive. KD frustrated, throws a water bottle, just infuriated by how this was handled Brian, when you saw this, what was your initial reaction to what was going on in that Brooklyn Nets game last Friday? I mean, this is a really tough situation to wrap your head around. I mean, there's so many moving parts, and this – I just don't know how the NBA, like, let it get to this and, like, how how do you get this situation to be as messed up as it was? This was – in my opinion, so mishandled by the league because initially, you know, Kevin Durant not playing against the Raptors, that's unfortunate, but, you know, you can live with it. We're in a pandemic. The protocols are the protocols. It is what it is, but you got to just go with it. But 
then the inconclusive test comes back and then they say like, oh, he actually can play. And he comes off the bench for the first time in years. And, you know, he plays 19, he plays 19 minutes yep. where he's sweat. He's sweating on guys. He's obviously without a mask on. He's on the bench. He's, he's playing, he's playing. And, and then they just pull, they just pull him out. Cause you know, the test came back positive, obviously. But I mean, my question is why was, if it was inconclusive, why, why even put him on the floor? Like, thankfully he didn't actually test positive. He keeps testing negative, but if they had a situation where Durant ended up being positive and then he ended up being put into the game. And I mean, what that would have been a disaster and thankfully they avoided it, but it just makes you think like how, why, why did they let this happen? Yeah. And we got more details on exactly what occurred leading into that game last Friday. Apparently Durant was maskless in a car that day with the team employee three separate times sources told espn the net star drove with the employee to the practice facility for testing to his home for testing into the game and the nba covid 19 guidelines prohibit players and staffs from commuting together without wearing protective face coverings but brian you're right and this is the thing this is what happens when when the test taking kind of bleeds into to pregame warm-ups and leading up to tip-off because you're kind of rolling the dice every single game. If something like this happens, especially with one of your star players and Kevin Durant, and for Kevin himself, I can't blame KD for being frustrated. You're basically being given the runaround, being told right before tip-off, hey, it doesn't look like you're going to be able to play today because of an inconclusive test only to then probably go back to the locker room, sit around, and then be told, oh, wait, you know what? I think you're good to go. The guidelines, protocols, nothing says you can't play. You know what? You're going to play tonight. And then play your 19 minutes, only to be told again, hey, the follow-up test came back positive from this employee. Since you were in direct contact and in a car with them, you have to, you have to come out. Because as you mentioned, Brian, he was there. He was in within six feet of everybody. You really can't be outside of six feet uh, unless you're playing baseball or something like that. In basketball, everyone's going to be closer than six feet together. And then what blows my mind, Brian, is you know being there in the post-game press conferences, I can only describe the mood of the players and of head coach Steve Nash is confused and frustrated. Everyone just did not understand how this could be handled this way where it was just kind of a back and forth uh, double Dutch kind of scenario. Like, oh, you can play, now you can't. And then this was the weirdest part to me. Everyone except KD was cleared to play the next night in Philadelphia. And Joe Harris said, said it best. He said, hey, we were all together with him in the locker room, but how has the NBA cleared us? And, and then Joe Harris went on to say, hey, you know, I just work here. That's it. I do my job. I just work here. That's it. It's out of my control. So, Brian, it really is funky. And for the NBA, they've handled so many issues well, much, much better than we've seen from like the NFL or, or even college football. But this right here, Adam Silver and the NBA really dropped the ball with how they allowed the Nets to go back and forth with KD, knowing that if something was compromised, he, he just can't play Friday, regardless of inconclusive or not. You can just not afford to allow your star player to go out there and play, potentially spreading COVID-19 to other guys. Yeah, Andrew, you're absolutely right. And like you mentioned 
how the players were frustrated. That was the exact word James Harden used. Like you could tell in his post-game press conference, he was not happy with how the situation was handled. And the Nets, they have every reason to be extremely unhappy with what's going on. And especially, you know, they, they went to Philly and they did, they did not play well, because mainly because they didn't have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So it's just a weird situation and how – yeah, it doesn't make sense. Kevin Durant is not allowed to travel with the team, but the whole team, they're they're free to go. It it doesn't make a lot of sense. And Kevin Durant, he's eligible to return Friday, I believe. And you know, thankfully the net they have a game against the Pistons tonight, where you know that's this should be a gimme if Kyrie is coming back tonight, which they hope he is. And then you have the Pacers tomorrow night, but. I mean, Kevin Durant, this is the second time this year that he's been he's been taken away from the game because of COVID. Yeah. And he and he's he hasn't even had it. He had it back in March or April, I believe. But yes, initially, yeah. Yeah, but it it's tough that Kevin Durant is so important to the Nets. You can they obviously still have Kyrie and James Harden, but this is Kevin Durant's team. Kevin Durant is the clear, clear cut best player on, on this team. And I yeah, the Nets, the Nets need him, and to be without him for a couple of games. Personally, I'm just hoping he comes back for Saturday because they play the Warriors in Golden State, and that would be very good to see. And you know, <laughs> assuming he continues to test negative, which he has been, he should be on pace to do that. But yeah, he keeps he keeps with the negative tests, and he still can't play. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird way that the NBA has gone about this. The protocols are the protocols, but they got to make, do something to make sure this doesn't happen again. Yeah. And again, for the protocols that the NBA have in place in terms of COVID-19, the health and safety protocols state that any player exposed to someone with COVID-19 must quarantine for six days minimum. And, And Brian, that's interesting to me because as you mentioned, KD, Missing the last three games, missed that loss to Philly. They'll obviously play Detroit on Tuesday night. And then the Pacers before that matchup with the Golden State Warriors, if KD continues to test negative. But something interesting to me about this is down the line, going into the second half of the season or even into the postseason, if something like this happens, a slip up where a team – uh, doesn't know or doesn't know that one of their star players or one of their key players is at risk, is with an employee and not following these guidelines set for players and staff members. Uh, imagine if KD, imagine if this was the postseason, this is the semifinals, and they're facing the Sixers or they're facing the Bucks, and this happens to KD, and he's out for six days. So we're talking a seven-game series in six days. We're talking about three or four games in between there, depending on the schedule. It just leads me to believe that the NBA has to be stricter with these rules because, Brian, even the league themselves, forget the teams like the Nets not being able to afford losing KD. The NBA in general can't afford to lose a superstar like that in the postseason or in the NBA finals. So it's going to be interesting to see how much stricter these protocols and these guidelines are moving forward going into the second half of the season. Because if something like this happens down the stretch and it's a reason why a team doesn't make the playoffs or doesn't advance in the first, the second, or the conference finals, or even ultimately win the finals – there's going to be that asterisk there. And I'm sure the NBA and Adam Silver, they don't want that to happen. 
You're absolutely right. And, you know, further, further down the line, this can, you, you mentioned how it falls on the league to be stricter, but it also falls just as much on the players to be smarter about how they're conducting themselves with COVID and everything. Because, I mean, Kevin Durant, you said he was maskless driving to and from the facility. And, you know, especially players of that magnitude, magnitude, excuse me, and star players like that that are so important to these teams, you have to be extremely cautious. You could say the same thing for football, for instance. You know, if Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady became close contact with somebody or they actually tested positive in the playoffs, their team's done. So for the, for the general, you know, success of the team, these players need to be careful and realize what's at stake. You know, you can't have, you can't get COVID and then be sidelined for what five games of a seven game series, because that's going to obviously hurt your chances. And, you know, especially a team like the Nets, for instance, you know, if this happens in the playoffs, you know, they still have James Harden, Kyrie, but, they do need Kevin Durant because they don't have a ton of depth outside of those three. So it's certainly important. And, you know, with the Bucks, like if Giannis Antetokounmpo, they need him to be as safe as possible. It, it falls on the players and, you know, the league needs to be strict, but these players also need to make sure that they're doing their best to not take themselves out and hurt their team. No, yeah. It's going to be something that has to be done. It's going to have to be, cohesive and conducive between the league its officials adam silver everyone there the teams and the players as you mentioned it's really a three-way street and if you're the nets you have to be emphasizing to your employees hey if you're traveling with a player both of you should have your masks on you know for anything whether it's going to test taking that player home to test whatever the case may be it does fall on the teams to really emphasize and say we're not going to risk anybody from catching COVID-19 because we've seen already, you know, 400,000 people, over 400,000 people have died because of this and, and millions more have been affected by it. So again, I think it's going to come down on the league, on the teams and, and on their players. If you don't want to go back into a bubble, if you want to see the second half of the season through and you still want to travel through the postseason and have something in a sense of normalcy, then you have to follow these rules and guidelines. So we'll see what happens with the Brooklyn Nets. And, and as you mentioned, uh, match up with the Detroit Pistons Tuesday night. I think when you're going through something wrong, uh, this is exactly what the doctor ordered, uh, the worst team in the league. Although the Lakers might say different. They went to two overtimes against the Pistons. So nevertheless, something that Kyrie, James Harden, and the rest of the team will have to pick up that slack uh, until Saturday when KD potentially returns against Steph Curry. Brian, I want to move over to another borough in New York, and that would be in Manhattan, where the New York Knicks made some trade buzz the other day. They are bringing back Derrick Rose in a deal that will reunite him with former head coach Tom Thibodeau. Obviously, as we know, Derrick Rose and Coach Tibbs were together in Chicago, where Derrick Rose ended up winning an MVP. A few playoff runs that went deep, just not deep enough. LeBron James, uh, really the main guy in stopping Derrick Rose and those great bull teams from maybe breaking through and getting to an NBA Finals. And in that deal, the Knicks are sending guard Dennis Smith Jr. and a 2021 second-round draft pick via the Charlotte Hornets. 
and they agreed to a deal on Sunday afternoon over the weekend after periodic talks, according to Woj and sources, the 2021 second round pick acquired by New York in the 2018 deal for Willie Hernan Gomez will likely be in the 40 range of what's projected in a deep overall draft this upcoming summer. But Brian, I think this deal, while Derrick Rose has proven that he's kind of found the fountain of youth after those knee injuries, he changed his game up, became more of a better shooter, isn't dependent on his athleticism and and that explosiveness that he once had. So again, for a Knicks team that at the moment, the number six rated defense in the NBA and in the playoff hunt still, I believe they're in ninth place. They're right there. And I believe there's only about four or five games that separates them from ninth and the fourth seed. So, Brian, what do you think about the Knicks making the trade for Derrick Rose and how much of a help, how much of a benefit do you think Derrick Rose will be for this team? Well, it's an interesting trade. I mean, good to see him back on the Knicks and, you know, he's reunited with Tom Thibodeau. I actually forgot that not just in Chicago, but they were also together in Minnesota. Yes. forgot. I forgot that as well. It's just crazy. And, you know, Derrick Rose, we know him. 2010, 2011, NBA MVP. I think everybody knows you're not getting that Derrick Rose on this team. But Derrick Rose, I mean, he, yeah, you as you mentioned, he's kind of found himself a little bit recently. He's a, he's a, still a solid point guard. He's been coming off the bench, you know, pretty much the whole year. He hasn't started one game for the Pistons thus far, but he's averaging 14.2 per game and. He's, he, he can still score some points, and he's a veteran, which will definitely help for this young team, this young Knicks team. But it's also interesting to think about when you talk about veterans helping the young team. Derek Rose coming in here, it's a, it could be an issue for Emmanuel Quickly, which, you know, Knicks fans, you might not want to hope that's the case. I mean, because Quickly, you know, your first-round pick this year, you don't want it to become – third in command on the uh in the point guard depth so it's it's interesting i don't i'm interested to see how derrick rose coming in is going to affect his playing time yeah because obviously you let go of uh dennis smith jr but you bring back another point guard and if we've seen anything from the knicks this season that point guard position had been really a a revolving door for the most part brian uh, until emmanuel quickly just kind of grabbed the brass ring and said, hey, if you give me minutes, I'm going to give you production and quickly really has been one of the better rookies. I mean, he went 25th. I I remember was it CBS Sports Network gave them a D plus for the pick. So they traded up. They saw something in Emmanuel quickly and it's really paying off in 21 games this season, averaging 12 points. You know, the rebounds are there too. three assists a game. And it's his fearlessness, I think, more so than anything, Brian, the fact that he's aggressive, that, that he doesn't shy away from the moment, and that he's really taking advantage of the minutes that he's gotten. But then you bring in Derrick Rose, you already have Alfred Payton there. Austin Rivers is a combo guard, but you know a lot of people think he'd do better as a primary ball handler and, and playing the one. Now you got four guys who all, you know, in, to their own credit, deserve minutes in the rotation – for Coach Tibbs, it's going to be difficult because how do you give, you know, your guy, Derrick Rose, a guy that you helped 
become the youngest MVP in league history, someone you have a lot of history with, some, somebody that you've gone to war with and kind of bringing him, giving him minutes so that he can be productive, but at what cost to maybe stunting the growth of Emmanuel quickly and who is going to be left out at the end of the day? Is it is Alfred Payton going to have to, you know, sit behind and take less minutes? Is it going to be Austin Rivers? It just feels like in a good playoff team, all you really need is two solid point guards. You need your starter, and then you need somebody to lead the second unit. You got four guys here who could potentially be, you know, either that starter or the guy coming off the bench. And for Coach Tibbs, it's going to be – a difficult task to kind of juggle the rotation and juggle the minutes and make sure that you're still getting the best from your team and putting your team in the best situation to stay relevant and to stay in this playoff hunt. Oh, absolutely. And you do mention that the Knicks are in the playoff hunt. They're ninth in the East. They're 11, 14. They're right there. But the thing about the Knicks is that they're not serious contenders. Like everyone knows the Knicks are still a work in progress. They're, they're still rebuilding. They have a very young team, and they've been inconsistent. They beat the Blazers this weekend, but they still have those moments where they show, they show the inexperience. And it's just it's an interesting decision to bring in a veteran like this when you're probably going to be – if you make the playoffs, you're going to be a low seed most likely unless we see drastic improvement going forward. And it's – it's odd to me because Derrick Rose is not under he's – he's, this is the last year of his contract. Yeah. And it's – I don't know what the Knicks are exactly doing with this trade where, yeah, the focus should be developing your younger stars like Emmanuel quickly. So, I mean, Derrick Rose being there, he can help the younger guys learn. But if he's taking playing time away from them, that's a curious decision. No, I, you do – bring up a good point I mean he is on an expiring contract so for the Knicks you're not tied into Derrick Rose that money will free up and you'll still have money to play with in this upcoming free agency however with Derrick Rose there is that gonna put you over the top no this is a Knicks team that you know they're not contenders they're not serious contenders in the grand scheme of things but if you're a Knicks fan you'll take anything you can get Brian I mean you've seen mediocrity for the better part of what is it more than two decades at this point since that 99 team that lost to my San Antonio Spurs once upon a time uh, and and so I think anything that the Knicks do if they're able to at least hover around 500 and maybe get themselves into that playing tournament. And I think that's what's so important. You don't have to finish eighth. If you finish ninth or 10th and you're within two games of eighth place, you're going to have an opportunity to make your way into the postseason. So at this point, Knicks fans will take anything they can. And for Derrick Rose, it's going to be incumbent upon him to kind of ingratiate himself with someone like Emmanuel quickly. Take him under your wing. You have so much knowledge being a veteran now in this league and the back half of your career. I think Derrick Rose could really be a great mentor to Emmanuel quickly for the rest of the season. And again, as you mentioned, the Knicks, 11 and 14. Think about it, just three games back of the number three seed in and for those of you wondering who that number three seed is, well, that would be the Brooklyn Nets. So both teams here in New York competitive. One team has championship aspirations and the other team just looking to build on what could potentially 
be a perennial title contender somewhere down the road. That's enough of the New York talk, Brian. I do want to talk about a couple of stories from around the league, and I want to go to the West Coast and to the Bay Area because I mentioned my San Antonio Spurs, and Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors lost to the Spurs on Monday night, 105-100, to in a fourth quarter where Steph Curry was on the bench for half of the final frame and post-game, Golden State Warriors coach Steve Kerr said that he will not extend the star guards minutes to quote-unquote chase wins this season. And Kerr noted that coming into the 2020-2021 season that his target for Steph would be averaging around 34 minutes per game as the former two-time finals MVP comes back from recovering from that broken half and only playing just five games last season. Brian, the Golden State Warriors, obviously, they're, they're without Klay Thompson, but you still got Steph. Dre is there. Wiseman, you see the potential there to grow. This is a Warriors team that, at the moment, find themselves right there in the Western Conference. Uh, at the moment, they are ninth, but again, half a game out from the eighth seed to Denver Nuggets. Steve Kerr says he's not trying to chase wins, Steph Curry is saying that he can play more than 34 minutes. He's ready and willing and able, but he's going to follow Steve Kerr and the Golden State Warriors. What do you think about Steve Kerr making this decision not to up Curry's minutes in order to chase wins? It's definitely a surprise. I mean, to see Steve Kerr, who was the coach of a Warriors team that was dynasty like just a couple of years ago, to now come to not chasing wins, it's, it's a surprise. And I mean, yeah, the Warriors, they're inconsistent. They're, you know, 500, they're in ninth place. But you look at Steph Curry and he, they need him on the floor. They really do. I mean, some of the shots he was making last night, you oh, still ridiculous. cannot believe some of, the, <laughs> some of the things he's able to do, even though it's expected from him at this point. But yeah, Steph Curry. And uh, I mean, I, I guess I understand why Steve Kerr is limiting him. You know, you don't want to re-aggravate an injury, especially in a year where you're not really going to do serious things in terms of championship contention. But it's it's weird because he's coming off of a broken hand. It's a it's a broken hand. Like, but the Nets and Kevin Durant, like, they're trying to avoid him playing back to back games because he's coming off of a torn Achilles. But yeah, a broke a broken hand to be this cautious over it. it it's a li- it's a little it's I don't, I don't really understand it. Uh, it's in a word troubling because Steph Curry, it doesn't look like the broken hand is bothering him at all. He was terrifying me last night watching the game. He had 32 points in 36 minutes. I was glad to see him on the bench for half of that fourth quarter uh, as the Spurs stole that one on the road. He's averaging nearly 30 minutes. I mean, 30 points, excuse me, in just under 34 minutes. And this is my problem with Steve Kerr. I understand you want him to come back from the injury and you're trying to slowly but surely get him back to that huge workload. But, but this isn't a lower leg injury, a lower body injury. You know, if you were coming off what, what Clay Thompson is coming off of or Kevin Durant, any sort of major knee, uh, Achilles foot injury, something like that, I could understand. 
but it doesn't look like the hand is bothering Steph at all. I mean, he's still putting down buckets. He's as effective offensively as we've seen him right now. And if the Warriors had a better record, Steph would be right there in the MVP conversation for what he's been able to do without his running mate and Klay Thompson. The West is loaded. Don't get me wrong. There are a bunch of teams there. And if you had to put your money you're probably not going to put your house on the Golden State Warriors with, with both L.A. teams there, with Utah emerging, with a Phoenix Suns team that, that is continuing to get better with Chris Paul there now. But you're still the Golden State Warriors. You were once a dynasty. You won three championships. And to me, I wouldn't – I would not limit Steph Curry. If Steph comes to me and says, hey – I can take an extra four or five minutes. I'm ready to go. Let's go. You have to trust your superstar and say, all right, let's do it. But Steve Kerr is is being a bit more cautious, a bit more uh, uh, making a a more concerted effort to preserve Steph. And maybe in the long run that helps. Steph is 33 years old when I think about it. I mean, I can't believe Steph is even that old at this point. But uh, he is going into the back half of his career but I'm sure Steph Curry wants to play as many minutes as possible, and he wants to put the Warriors in position to make the playoffs this year. And I have to think that Steve Kerr sooner or later is going to have to make the decision, should I let my guy go and get 40 minutes a game and get us some wins, or are we going to kind of, you know, punt on the season and say, you know, no clay. Uh, if we make the playoffs, we'll be happy, but we're not going to force it. Right, and even this past Saturday, I mean – Curry played only 37 minutes, and he scored 57 points. Ridiculous. I know. It was an unbelievable performance. And they still, even in a losing effort, it was still crazy to see. But, yeah, Steph Curry, he's getting a little frustrated now. You can kind of see in his interviews that he's, he's kind of hinting that he would like to play some more minutes. So it's, it's interesting to see how the Warriors are going to handle this down the stretch. As we said, they're not serious contenders, but – there's a couple like trade rumors going around. They could be buyers at the deadline. Who knows? So I mean, the war the Warriors, they're they're it's interesting to see what they're gonna do. And you know, Steph Curry, he's obviously one of the best players in this whole league. And you know, having him out for the fourth quarter, for the first half of the first fourth quarter while the Spurs are going on a run, it's exactly it just doesn't look, look like it makes a lot of sense. And also with that Spurs game, uh can I ask you about uh, Draymond Green's shot at the end? Uh, that was uh, – if you ever watched the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, there was that episode where Will is a basketball player. He joins Carlton's team, and he takes over, and he's a star, and he's hot-dogging. And at the end of the game, Carlton just kind of pushes Will off and then chucks a, a deep-range shot, and he's looking at it, and the music in the background is all joyous and triumphant, and it goes wide right, doesn't even touch the backboard, the buzzer sounds, and they lose. That's what it was like to me, but as a Spurs fan, Brian, I, I was ecstatic because th- the only thing I was thinking was quadruple team Steph Curry and allow anybody else to beat you. Oh, I'm sure you'll take it. I guess, <laughs> he, I guess he thought he was going to get fouled. I guess that was his thought that he was going to get fouled immediately and he was going to get an extra shot. But with, with seven seconds left, I don't know how you take a shot like that, especially if you're Draymond Green. Yeah, not what you want whatsoever. 
And for the Golden State Warriors, again, it's been a fall from grace just a couple of years ago in the NBA Finals. You know, injuries to Clay and KD derail uh, potentially another trophy in the case for them. And I cannot blame Steph for being frustrated after last season. And now the way this season is starting to go and the Warriors not being right there atop the Western Conference. That's got to be frustrating for a guy who's been there before and wants to continue competing for championships. So we'll see what the Golden State Warriors do moving forward as they continue to jostle for position. Brian, before we wrap things up here on Pick and Pod, obviously over the weekend we got to watch the Super Bowl. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers able to beat Patrick Mahomes, a compromised offensive line, uh, beat them soundly dominate them a great defensive performance and a great call by Todd Bowles, a former New York Jets coach. Tampa Bay Bucks win 31 to nine. And one of the people, I know a lot of people were rooting on Tom Brady to win, just watching greatness. You know, my opinion, I respect Tom Brady. You know, I'm no Kelly Bright. I'm not his hugest fan who's a Patriot lover and whatnot. I respect him. But what was interesting to me, Brian, was one of his biggest supporters on Twitter in the sports world was one LeBron James who, who tweeted out on that Sunday evening congratulating Tom Brady. And when talking to the media, LeBron said that seeing a 43-year-old Tom Brady win his seventh Super Bowl title in his 21st season was, quote, it's inspiring to him, but it's not necessarily informative or and it won't be an influence to LeBron as he continues going coming into his 18th year at the tender age of 36. Brian we're seeing the greats and there's a select few of greats who've been able to use longevity to fend off father time Tom Brady being one of them at 43 years young when we think about LeBron and what he's doing right now in his 18th season and averaging over 25 points and seven rebounds, seven assists. You know, he's getting his numbers still. How realistic is it that LeBron James plays up until he's 40 and even maybe surpasses that and plays a couple of years into his 40s? Obviously, he has two more years left on his deal. A lot of people think that he wants to play with his son and Bronny when Bronny comes out and potentially comes into the NBA. Brian, what, what do you think about LeBron's chances in playing up until maybe 43 years of age? Well, we know basketball is a very physically demanding sport. And mm-hmm. the, the same questions were kind of surrounded around Tom Brady when he was entering his 40s. Like, can he still perform at this level at the age of 40? And he's shown that he obviously can. So I, I wouldn't doubt LeBron James's abilities to – continue to play at a high level into his 40s but yeah it's a it's a tough sport and you have to be a real good athlete to actually succeed and you know you have to have a lot of endurance and everything and we LeBron James is a freak of nature he's just an unreal physical specimen so he's he's not like most 36 year old going into 40 so it's if anyone can do it, LeBron James can do it. And he hasn't shown any signs of slowing down anytime soon. So as of right now, I'm going to say that there's no, there's no reason that he shouldn't, but I mean, obviously age is going to be a factor. And you know, the saying is no one beats father time, but Tom Brady's done it. Let, let's see if LeBron can do it. 
Yeah, Father Time is, is looking for the likes of Tom Brady, LeBron James, Serena Williams, and they're just able to duck and dodge and continue to be successful without having to worry about age or attrition. Thankfully, I will say, though, that for LeBron James, if he retires tomorrow, he's still one of the greatest players of all time. He's up there in the Mount Rushmore. His legacy has been cemented. But it does say a lot to the longevity in the modern-day athlete with technology and the amount of money that LeBron invests in nutritionists and doctors and trainers to, to keep him at an ideal uh, you know, at an ideal physique, at an ideal weight, you know, uh, under ideal conditions. And when we think about the NFL and the NBA, the NFL has made it easier for quarterbacks to last, you know, going 15, 20 years if you can stay healthy with the rules kind of playing in their favor. The NBA is kind of the same way. There's no hand checking. You know, you can't play defense as aggressively and as hard as you once could back in the 90s when MJ was out there tearing it up. So for LeBron James, if he wants to, I don't see why not. I mean, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar played into his 40s for a few years and was still able to be effective. I think LeBron at age 40 or 41, could he still average 18 to 20 points, five rebounds, five assists? Absolutely. So I think it is realistic for LeBron. I'm sure he's given as much to the game as he possibly can. And once he does get to play with Bronny, if that opportunity arises, I think that's probably the last box for him to check in his career. But when you're looking at guys like Brady and like LeBron, like Serena, like a Cristiano Ronaldo, you just kind of have to be in awe of what they've been able to do for such a long period of time, standing the test of time when we've seen it, as you just mentioned earlier, father time gets to everyone, but this elite group have really done you know, about as tremendous a job as extending their careers as far as they can. And it really is, uh, it's impressive to see. And we were having the same conversation about five years ago when LeBron James was 31. And <laughs> everyone's asking like, okay, can he, he's going to slow down when he gets into his late 30s and he's going to have to retire. And clearly that's not the case. He's still winning championships and obviously one of the top players in this league. So it's, I would say it's a safe thing that LeBron will play into his 40s and he's going to he's he's a freak of nature. That's what it boils down to. He's not like he's not like most men and yeah, your body will break down, but I think even a broken down LeBron is still pr pretty great. Yeah, and I'll end it by saying this. You know, I bring up different goats in, in their respective sports. Let's not compare the goats. They're all goats respect the greatness, uh, appreciate the excellence that you're watching, and just know that they're all sitting at the same table. Nobody's at the head of the table. That is an elite group of people, you know, which includes LeBron and Tom Brady. And it's just, uh, it's masterful to watch and something you'll never forget as a sports fan. But that will do it for this week's episode of Pick and Pod. Brian, you got your first one in, got your first minutes off the bench. You feeling good? Oh, I feel great. Yeah, this was this is awesome. Hopefully I'm back here soon. This was a great time. Thank you. Man, a pleasure to be alongside you. For Brian Rabich, I am Andrew Posadas telling everyone to continue enjoying the basketball season. Stay safe. And we will be talking to you again next week right here on Pick and Pod. Pick and Pod is a production of WFUV Sports.